Hello. Have you got a phobia about poisonous snakes or just a healthy respect? This is Search for Truth, your 15-minute programme of Bible teaching and hymn singing. Thanks for joining us. Brian, our Bible teacher, continues his talks on finding pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And this time, that's right, we focus on poisonous snakes. The Old Testament contains many prophetic illustrations which speak of Christ. But a venomous snake or serpent? How can that be? We'll need to look first at the early part of John's Gospel in chapter 3. So we now join Brian, who'll tell us more. Thanks, John. In his famous nocturnal conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus made a reference to an incident that took place during the 40-year journey of the Israelites towards the Promised Land. By the way, the only reason the journey took that length of time was on account of the rebellious attitude of the people then against God. But before we get into that, here's the fragment of the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus that's relevant. Jesus is speaking. John chapter 3 from verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, we deal with John chapter 3 and verse 16 elsewhere in this series of studies, when thinking about the actual meaning of God's only begotten Son. And actually, we can't be sure if Jesus himself said those words, or if John, the Gospel writer, made them, that's verse 16, an editorial comment. But we can take it that Jesus spoke the words of verse 14, that is, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel, so he'd know at once what Jesus was referring to. But we might struggle to recall it, So let's turn up the relevant point in one of the Old Testament history books and read from the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Then they set out from Mount Hor, by the way of the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, because we have spoken against the Lord, and you intercede with the Lord, that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten When he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Remember what we said about Israel's rebel hearts, making the journey take far longer than it should have taken. Well, what we've just read is completely typical of their behaviour. They stubbornly resisted God's will for them and grumbled repeatedly. 
As we've mentioned, that bronze serpent story in Numbers chapter 21 of the Israelites' lack of faith, their punishment and recovery is not one that stands on its own in biblical history. Jesus explained how the Son of Man, which was a reference to himself, how the Son of Man must be lifted up just like the bronze serpent. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. Packed into these two verses are several important ideas. The original story is a foreshadowing of what Jesus would accomplish about 1,500 years later. When Moses lifted up the bronze serpent for the people to see, he was providing a remedy for all who would look at it. But later, Jesus told Nicodemus that he himself was going to be lifted up for a much more far-reaching recovery. The work done through the bronze serpent was temporary. Jesus' work would be permanent. Also, the word that's used in the original language for lifted up is a word that means to exalt something. And truly, Christ would be exalted through and out from death to the right hand of God the Father in order that all who look to him can live life in all its fullness and for all eternity. Jesus' words to Nicodemus stressed just how great his sacrifice would be. Now, it's pretty obvious that we need to personally admit that we're sick before we can be helped by a doctor. And it's equally true that personal admission of guilt and sin has to happen before we can receive forgiveness from God. Back in Moses' day, before the sinning people could be forgiven, they had to admit that they had sinned. That's where the snake bites came in. It was the snake bites that brought them to that place of personal conviction of their sin and wrongdoing. This teaches us very plainly that before we can be saved from the penalty due to us for our sins before a holy God, we must first acknowledge our need of salvation. Next, when the people realised the guilt of their sin, they immediately turned to Moses to ask him to pray for them. After confession, they were now ready to request forgiveness. What this action of theirs makes clear is our inability to save ourselves. They turn to Moses, we must turn to a greater than Moses, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If Moses was their mediator back then, thankfully God has provided a greater go-between for us. The Bible says there is one God, And there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. It seems God was also teaching the people something about faith. On the face of it, it's totally illogical to think that looking at a bronze image could heal anyone from a snake bite. But that's exactly what God told them to do. It took an act of faith in God's plan. For anyone to be healed. And the serpent lifted up on the pole was a reminder to them of their sin, the reason for their suffering. After all, this serpent was symbolic of the serpents God used to punish the people for their unbelief. It makes me think of how it was by death that Christ rendered powerless the devil who had the power of death. God turned Satan's own weapon against him. 
God's provision for the people long ago was a bronze serpent on a pole. God's provision for us is the death of his son lifted up to die on the cross. Once again, we're confronted by what the Apostle Paul called the foolishness of the preaching. How can a man dying a criminal's death possibly clear our guilt before a holy God any more than how could a symbolic cursed snake on a pole in the desert be of any use? What this teaches is that we must look to God's provision in faith, believing that it's God's final and only remedy for sin. That's to be our response. In looking to the brazen serpent on a pole, they were in reality looking to God in faith. As we've seen in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes it crystal clear that the bronze serpent pointed forward to his own death on the cross. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The word as indicates that Jesus was making a comparison. As God provided the means whereby the bitten people at that time could be healed through faith, so he's also provided the only means by which our souls may find healing and restoration. And it's through faith. When we turn in faith to look to Jesus, we are freed from sin and we receive the gift of eternal life. Saving faith looks to God alone. It doesn't look to ourselves. It doesn't look to any goodness in our own heart, nor to our religious works. To be reconciled to God, we must first see our sin for what it really is, an offence to God's holiness. Because our sin is offensive, God must punish it. But thanks be to God for Jesus, God's Son, who has taken the punishment due to us. The vital question, however, is, are we looking to Jesus to save us? If we may summarise the four key elements of this story and its teaching, perhaps we could put it like this. First, our need before God, as they were alerted to theirs by the snake bites. Second, our inability to help ourselves, as they naturally turned to Moses for assistance. Third, God's provision of Christ lifted up to die as Moses raised up the bronze snake. Four, our response has to be one of faith as the people in the desert turned to look at the symbolic serpent. We say again, the vital question is, are we looking to Jesus to save us? Now, there's a postscript to that story. Because several centuries afterwards, Hezekiah became king over Israel. He was a righteous king who destroyed objects of idolatry from the kingdom. One item was the very same bronze serpent that Moses used in the desert. You see, for all these years, the Israelites had kept it. The object that God used in one generation as his instrument of deliverance had become an object of worship in another generation. The people had forgotten God as the true deliverer, and as we are prone to do, they had substituted an idol in his place. In a somewhat similar way today, people may substitute superstitious reverence for a crucifix, while denying the real and true saving power 
of the Christ who died on the cross. We ask ourselves again today the vital question, are we looking to Jesus to save us? As usual, I'll remind you of the advantage of getting the transcripts book of all 12 talks in this series. It's available online, and either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media, or alternatively, you can request a hard copy book by asking for the title Christ in the Old Testament. Don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. And you can use email or the post. Here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know that if you go to the website I just mentioned, that's at churchesofgod.info forward slash media, you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio, podcast or MP3 versions. So why not have a go, see what you can find to enjoy. Well, that's almost it for today. I hope you're enjoying these studies and finding them helpful. But once again, many thanks for the privilege of your company. It's been great to have you with us. So do join us again next week for another talk in this series on Christ in the Old Testament. It's called The King Priest, as found in Hebrews 7 verse 1. So let's enjoy it together. And until next time, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Lord,